0: Thanks, Rick. Nancy, be turning to the Book of Isaiah, chapter sixty-one. Isaiah chapter sixty-one. While you're turning, I think uh, what happened uh, Monday is a classic example of God taking control of our future. You know, we pray always when somebody goes through surgery that God would have His will and He would take care of things uh, to the to the best of His will and and what we need. And, I mean, right at the last minute, uh, he uh, stopped that surgery. And Rick is quite comfortable with that. And, I'm, and that was something that was totally out of anybody's control. Uh, and so we know that God's in control of our tomorrows, isn't he? He's in control of our todays. We take a lot of comfort in that. Uh, I want to mention again about the announcement about the Chili Supper for the Backpack Ministries. For those of you who may not know what this is, uh, this is a feeding program for those students in the school system that depend on uh, school lunches and breakfasts for their primary source of nutrition. There are kids because of their home situation. This is this is the bulk of what they have to eat. And we know that over the weekend that sometimes they go without enough food. And what we do with the backpack ministry is we send bags of food. Uh, food home with them. It's things like stuff that can be heated in the microwave and a little spaghetti and, and things they can eat. Cheese crackers and things like that. Give them something to eat. And that just is able to, to help out with these that are, are pretty much powerless to take charge of their own situation. I'm aware of the fact that sometimes these students don't have enough to eat because of irresponsible decisions by the adults in their lives. I'm aware of that. So Uh, responsible adults step up to take care of these kids. Sometimes they suffer through no decision of their own and this is what we do and of course our church this is one of our local mission projects is to help out with the feeding programs. We have a list out here if you can help with some chili or Fritos or crackers whatever you can do as we put together this uh, fundraiser. What we're attempting to do is to engage more of the community In this effort, Uh, two churches primarily are taking the lead on this, our church and First Methodist Church down at Emerson. Uh, And our effort is to try to engage more people and let people know what we're doing. But if you didn't know what the backpack ministry is all about, that's what it is. If you can help out with the chili supper in any way, and they probably could use some help down there serving and so forth. Uh, uh, I'll get you the details as we get closer. But for right now, we needed to go ahead and put the list out for you to uh, help out. Anything that you can do would be appreciated. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles in their glory. You shall boast. Instead of your shame, you will have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. And I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, for they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul will be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and the bride adorns herself with the jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are sown into spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it has to tell to this generation and, Father, in all generations. But, Father, we ask that those of us in this generation will take heed. There are things we need to know this morning. We ask you to make those clear to us. Make yourself known to us, and we ask whatever need we may have to get things right with you. Father, make that very crystal clear today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. We've been walking through the book of Isaiah through, of course, the last uh, months, And we're about to wrap everything up. And as I mentioned, it's not a verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But we just went through and hit the high points. And Isaiah, here toward the last chapters of his book, is talking about a new start. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. And what he's talking about is a present statement and a future prediction. The present statement is there has already been some destruction from the neighboring nations because of disobedience on the part of the Israel nation. The Assyrians had come in and had already ruined some of their cities. In the future, the Babylonians would come in and take away captives. We're talking about a series of incursions by the neighboring nations that came through as instruments of judgment on the Hebrew people. And the Israelite people would return from captivity and rebuild with a fresh new start after these series of crises situations. But God also sets in motion... Some unfinished business. He talks about rebuilding. That, of course, was in the immediate future. That is something that they saw in the distant future as they rebuilt. But the unfinished business, the first few verses that we read. The reading of this verse talks about someone that's anointed to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free generations would come and go and people would begin to look at this unfinished business more prophets would come and go after isaiah and more prophets would talk about the sin of the country and the sin of this uh, individuals and the judgment of god and that judgment would come and then they would return generation after generation for 700 years First it was the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then Syria, then Egypt, then Syria, then Egypt. They would pass Israel back and forth like a worn-out old trophy. Now, we're aware of how a trophy sometimes is passed back and forth. Uh, This business of LSU and Arkansas and the football, we've got that boot. Sometimes it's with Arkansas. A lot of times it's not, but sometimes it's with Arkansas. Sometimes it's Louisiana. And that boot is passed back and forth. That's what Israel was doing. Assyria, Egypt. Egypt, Assyria. Then came the Greeks. Then came the Romans. And it looked like this unfinished business would never be finished. Verses 1 and 2. Good news comes in troubled times. But in time, in god's time the unfinished business was finished and we find it to the word and to the letter in luke chapter 4 if you'll turn over luke chapter 4 verse 16 jesus had just began his earthly ministry He'd come on the scene with the baptism of John the Baptist and he had been preaching in the synagogues round about Galilee. And there's where we pick up this passage of scripture that Jesus had already been busy just for a little while. And then he comes to Nazareth and gives that generation some good news. In verse 16 of Luke chapter 4, he came to Nazareth. Who he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. I want to stop right there. It says, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I remember 20-something years ago, what would Jesus do? You remember that? T-shirts and bracelets and bumper stickers. What would Jesus do? Jesus would be in church on Sunday morning. As his custom was, he was in the house of God on the day of the Lord. And if we're wondering what Jesus would do and make our life like Jesus, Jesus would be in church. That's just for free in addition to the rest of the lesson. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears he first gave them a reminder of what was said 700 years earlier and then he gave them announcement you remember the promise god made 700 years ago through the scroll of isaiah and he said, everything he promised, he's delivering today. And every eye was looking at Jesus. And everyone knew what he meant. What he meant is the promise not only was kept, the promise was sitting right in front of him. And that was through Jesus Christ You see, he said the evidence is plain for you to see. It wasn't just an empty claim for somebody to come along and claim to be the Messiah. That had happened before. It wasn't a new thing. But Jesus said, you remember when he gave you the promise, he also gave you some proof to look for. To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind. Now, the original passage that we read did not include that statement, but Isaiah did include that statement in an earlier prophecy. And he said, look for this, and you'll know God's keeping his promise. Look for what? Well, look back at Isaiah chapter 35. Verse 3, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for the waters shall burst forth into wilderness and streams in the desert. What did he say to look for? Look for this, the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Lame people will stand up and walk again. Look for this. Up to this point, when Jesus Christ sat down in the synagogue at Nazareth, it says that he healed many people. They had already seen the proof that he outlined. This was not an empty claim. He was saying, you are seeing the proof of this promise Sitting in front of you because you've seen the delivery of the proof. In Luke chapter 7. Of course naturally to make the claim that you are the Messiah that has come. People want to know is that for sure. There is an individual that had more invested in the proof of the Messiah than anyone else. He had invested his entire life. Telling people the Messiah's coming, not coming just any day, but he pointed at Jesus and said, There he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This man's name's John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been thrown in prison. A lot of time to think, a lot of time to second guess yourself, a lot of time to wonder Did I do the right thing? He was not out there seeing what was going on. Very shortly after Jesus was baptized, John was thrown in prison. He didn't see all these things. So naturally, John wanted to be sure. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 18, the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things that Jesus was doing. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist sent to us, to you, to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? At that very hour, he cured many of infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits. To many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered, said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me you see Isaiah said look for this and you know the Messiah is here John the Baptist sends a question and Jesus Christ said look at this and you'll see the proof you know he didn't even make the claim he just said you tell him what you've seen Everything God had prescribed that the Messiah would do, Jesus was doing. Isn't it interesting? The book of Isaiah speaks of the anointing of Christ to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted. It speaks of the things he would do and the miracles he would perform. In fact, Some scholars have called Isaiah the fifth gospel. You see, you have the four gospels that outline the life of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They outline the life of Christ as they looked back and recorded what they had seen. Isaiah is the fifth gospel. Actually, it's the first gospel. You see, Isaiah outlined the life and ministry of Christ before it happened. Isaiah predicts Jesus' birth. Isaiah predicts the ministry of John the Baptist. Isaiah predicts the anointing of the Spirit, which happened when Jesus Christ was baptized. They all saw the Spirit of God descend on Jesus Christ as a dove. They all saw the confirming works. Isaiah said, This is how you know it's Him. He predicted the confirming works. He predicted the rejection of Christ by his own. He predicted the ministry of Christ to the Gentiles, which at that time, when Jesus came on the scene, the Jews thought they had seen something brand new. It was outrageous. They couldn't stomach it, that the salvation would come to the Gentiles. That would be a problem later on in the early church. But 700 years before, Isaiah predicted that the light of the Messiah would come to the Gentiles. Isaiah predicted the death of Jesus Christ. He predicts the suffering of Jesus Christ. He predicts the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he predicts the second coming of Jesus Christ. Everything you find in the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament found the book of Isaiah. In fact, in the New Testament, the book of Isaiah is alluded to or quoted directly over 50 times. So it saturates all of the New Testament. Good news comes in troubled times. When Jesus gave that good news, they were in troubled times. Rome was a hard taskmaster. But now, secondly, good news comes for all time, including our time. Where do we find that good news? Well, part of the good news is what we just realized. God predicted some things to happen 700 years before they actually happen. When they happen, they happen to the exact detail that God had said 700 years before. What's the good news about that? God is in complete control of our tomorrows. God is in total control of time. Time, no matter how long, is no obstacle to God. A lot of change in 700 years, and be easy for Jewish people to say, Well, I don't know. Times are so different now than they were back then that that should not even apply. God's word applies through all generations because God is still God in all generations. And you may have a generation to deny or ignore or not even to acknowledge God, but God's still God. He needs no one's permission. God is in complete control of all time. And the good news in this passage of Scripture is God can give us a brand new start today. Now, this is always on the front, forefront of our mind when it comes to the New Year's holiday. In this passage of Scripture, it says, Jesus said to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Isaiah said to proclaim the acceptable Year of the Lord. Many scholars identify this as the year that was called the year of the Lord as the year of Jubilee. Now, now what is that? Well, that goes all the way back to Leviticus chapter 25. And here's a brief summary of the year of Jubilee. God knows human hearts. God knows that even his people would tend to take advantage of a situation and other people. And what would happen is people would get into debt and their creditor would seize on that advantage and say, I want my money now or you sign this paper. You're my servant till this gets paid off. Well, I am so sorry. The interest is so high on this note. You haven't even started on the principal yet. So people would find themselves as indentured servants or maybe it's this way. You've got that piece of property over there. You'll sign it over. So they would take property. Well, God had allotted property to different family groups. And he had said, this is my land. I'm letting you use it. Well, people begin to buy up all of it. You see, the common attitude for some of the people in Israel is, oh, I don't want all the property. I just want my property, and everything that adjoins it. Well, They begin to add land to land. The prophets had to deal with this. God knew this was all going to happen. So every 50th year, they would blow the trumpets and it would be the land of Jubilee. And the land of Jubilee, all debts were canceled. All debts were canceled, which meant the land returned to the original owners that God had prescribed. And indentured servants were freed. And just could go back home. Every body was given a fresh new beginning. Now, folks, that's some good news. Because sometimes my today, not looking too comfortable because of things that happened yesterday. And I know there's a lot of things about yesterday that we can't change. But God can change a lot of things about our tomorrow. And he can give all of us a brand fresh new start. And that's kind of the way it is, the beginning of a new year. No, our debts aren't canceled. We still owe them, don't we? But it's kind of like, I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to start this year and do better. And we all know the new year's resolutions. And, and, and some of these are very good. And we want to do better this year. Do better with The Lord, do better with church, do better with our health, do better with our finances, do better with our grades. I just threw that in there. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that's a resolution or not, but, you know, with me it was. It was good intentions anyway. All of these things, you can start right now and and make 2019 better than 2018 if we start right now. You got a fresh new start. But that's not only how it is the beginning of a new year. That is definitely how it is in Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Any who are in Christ are a brand new creature. All things are passed away and old things have become new. You see, that debt of sin is forgiven in Jesus Christ. It cannot be paid off. Never be paid off. You forget it. We can't be good enough to balance the scales. But Jesus Christ says, let me pay that for you. And on the cross, he paid that. And that debt can be wiped out, clean, like the year of Jubilee, that crushing load of death. Just, I can breathe now. Jesus took care of that. We can be released from the bondage of sin as prisoners and slaves were set free. Says those who serve sin, we're the slaves of sin. And Jesus said, Let me have the key. He unlocks us from sin's bondage. And He gives us a brand new start for all of eternity. It's a brand new outlook on life. You see, when He said, I'm going to preach the good news of salvation to the poor, And to talk about the acceptable year of the Lord. They knew he was talking about the year of Jubilee. And they looked at him and said, that's the fulfillment of Isaiah's promise. There's our brand new start in Jesus Christ. I don't know what we bring here. But you know, we all bring some baggage here from our past, don't we? May need some sins, need to be forgiven may need some mistakes that need to be corrected a lot of things only god can do for us right a lot of things we're going to have to work on and in improving our life but you know we'll never do it without his help as we prepare for the invitation of him don't know what you may need as we're looking at the upcoming year we've got a lot of things that concern us there's some family members that are sick church members that are ill Got a lot of things to think about. You know, why don't we take them and place them in the hands of the ones in control of tomorrow and start talking to Him about it? There's some things that we wish we could have done different last year and the years before. We can't go back and undo them, but we can pray for a brand new start to do better. But we can never do better or be better without the help of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, if you've never given Him your life, you've never given Him your tomorrow or your eternity, Today's the day to start. Don't waste another day as we stand and sing.